Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk? Today, we're going to talk about the GOP convention, where will it be? America at war, what is the right side? And Texas shutdown and the contact tracing battle heats up. And I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. America Can We Talk is sponsored by GC Works, a Dallas-based company performing advanced technology research in the oil and gas industry. And welcome again to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I want to spend a minute just to talk about the GOP convention and the kerfuffle that we're in, in in America over whether that convention can be held in North Carolina. The reason I want to hit that story is, you know, this is a, conventions are really big deals. I mean, they are, I'm not a big convention person, but conventions, Democrat or Republican, cities vie, argue, compete with each other way ahead of time, over and over, in order to have to win the right to host a convention. Parties are strategic, trying to decide, you know, well, what, where will be, where should we choose to go? Because either they're trying to reinforce their presence in a swing state, they're trying to send a message, you know, we're here, we're gonna fight to win the state back. But the GOP right now, the RNC convention, is in a battle with the state of North Carolina because the governor there still has in place all sorts of coronavirus restrictions. And this been, you know, President Trump told them, look, we kind of need an answer because if it, you know, if you're going to have restrictions in place, we're not going to have a convention where we have to show up and be socially distanced, wear masks, all sorts of other, and there are many, many, many complexities that are involved in these kind of coronavirus restrictions, things about, you know, plastic silverware, nothing reused, all sorts of special things restaurants have to go through. So basically, President Trump just kind of threw down the gauntlet and said, we need to know, North Carolina, are you going to lift the restrictions on coronavirus and allow this to take place or not? And the governor has basically given an answer. I cannot assure you, says Governor, I think his name is yeah, Roy Cooper, Democrat governor of North Carolina, saying, you know, we cannot guarantee, Mr. President, RNC, we cannot agree that we will be open for business. And so, you know, you just have to wait around and find out. It's supposed to be in August of this year, so, you know, not too far away. And so the governor will not commit that the coronavirus restrictions will be lifted. There's a bit of a back and forth. I think RNC has committed to some things, saying they'll do certain steps and not others. The reason I wanted to say it, though, is this. Most of America, growing numbers of Americans, are realizing that America grotesquely overreacted to the threat of the coronavirus and COVID-19. We did, of course, sadly, lose people in this country. We had death due to coronavirus. We have the CDC padding the numbers to make it appear there are more deaths than there actually were based on the coronavirus. And we had around this country, we began to see the kind of army of tyrants rise up from city council members and mayors and governors who simply seemed to enjoy, they seemed to enjoy using their power because they had it. And for the first time, they could say to citizens, with really no justification at all, we're still gonna keep you locked down. We'll tell you 
We'll tell you whether you can go to work. We'll tell you whether you can leave your house. We'll tell you where you can go, for what reasons you can leave your house, whether your business can be open. So the coronavirus was a, just a splendid opportunity for control freaks, leftists in this country, to take off and really exaggerate and, and, and tamp down on freedom, exaggerate the risk. And so especially, even, especially, let's say the country needed two weeks, three weeks maybe at tops, from the time we realized that the virus was dangerous to where we realized that the numbers, the models, who the death rate predictions were extremely exaggerated. America wasn't going to get close to the numbers they claimed would be. And in fact, you know, we had actually the model maker in England, Dr. Neil Ferguson, dialed back his projections a great deal. But what's so amazing is when Neil Ferguson dials back his death rate predictions, his infection rate predictions, his hospitalization, ICU predictions, he dials it back. And so did the Institute at University of Washington dial back their numbers. I think it's IMHE, uh, dial back their numbers. I said, now we didn't really mean 2.2 million. We mean maybe. And so point is, we got information that was corrected, but the people, the entities, the um, governors, mayors, the political control people, the, the big government Marxist leftist types could not let go of their newfound power to control people. They just couldn't let go. So back to Mr. Governor uh, in North Carolina. He is not agreeing that the state can be sufficiently open. And you know, what's really going to, so I think what's going to happen, I mean, we'll wait and see. There are numerous states that are telling the president, numerous cities saying, and they were probably ones who were vying to have it to start with there, but those cities, there are um, Nashville, Tennessee, Las Vegas, um, <clears throat> Nevada, Orlando, Florida, Jacksonville, Florida, uh, several sites in the state of Georgia, all of them saying, hey, we'll take it. We, we'd love to have come here. Well, the thing about conventions is that businesses around the conventions make money this is the convention isn't just oh yippee we got a meeting held in our city it's hotel rooms it is restaurants it is service providers it's all those organizations that have already entered contracts with the rnc with the hosting hotel with various entities contracts all set up and everyone makes money it's, it is business in america conventions big business so I actually think it's going to be interesting if the GOP decides, forget about it, we're not going to have our convention, we're not going to live under the threat of one of the coronavirus tyrants, this Roy Cooper enjoying his power, we're not going to live under the coronavirus tyrancy, tyrant uh, in North Carolina, we're going to move somewhere else, how much political pressure that puts on that governor, and how much it helps people in North Carolina recognize their governor their governor was willing to interfere with their livelihood, their businesses, their, all that went into putting the, the, uh, the, the convention there, all the contracts, all the businesses, all of that is just down the drain. All those businesses, all those people, all those plans down the drain if Roy Cooper won't back down. And unless he gives a 100% commit, you know, committed, irretrievably back down, which he's saying he can't do, the convention will likely leave. I think it should come to Dallas, Texas, even though we had our local official here, a local Democrat official spout off and say the convention wasn't welcome in Dallas. 
any place in Texas would be a great place to have the GOP convention. But I think they'll pick one of those sites I just mentioned. But I think it's just an interesting study in, to wrap up this first five today, is an interesting study in how far leftists like this governor in North Carolina is willing to push his power dealing with the coronavirus, even at the expense of the welfare of his citizens, of the people who are no doubt lobbying his office saying, we have spent money irretrievably. We've signed contracts. We have committed workers. We have built things. We have done all sorts of things. You can't take this away from us. Do those people matter to the governor of North Carolina or not? I guess we'll all find out. And that, my friends, is today's first five. Okay, you know what? It's really um, this week, this whole time we're dealing in America um, with the uh, with the. Uh, the protests, the George Floyd things, it seems like everything else gets pushed to the side. Every other issue. I do want to, before the show closes out today, I do want to talk about the coronavirus from the perspective of contact tracing, what's happening in Texas. There's a real battle suing in Texas, as there should be. There should be more battles around the country, but I do want to do another segment today. I just, because the story is so important to understand. Let me first, though, I thought about this uh, in planning this show. You know, some people listening to the show, you may live in a small town, you may live somewhere where there wasn't really a big problem. So I sent just a few clips to Matt the Wonderful so you can see what it's like, what the big cities look like, what people's neighborhoods look like as we had pulled back from, uh, as we had these these, uh, protests gone wild. So the first one is um, a clip. This is from uh, Uptown Collective, and um, there's this... um, this is a, a clip from an article from American Thinker, but it's a picture. But Uptown Collective is the one who tweeted it out. Um, this is a picture of the streets of New York City. Okay, that was just one person who happened to do a random clip of the street scene in New York City. I think it's important for Americans to stare at that and think about that. You might think you're looking at some third world country, but that scene you just saw, I'm going to show you another one in a minute. That scene you just saw is the Big Apple. It's the place everyone loves to go Christmas time and see, you know, the Christmas tree and, and see all the beautiful storefronts and the Macy's. Oh, the famous Macy's. That was the Macy's Parade Macy's has been, I don't think it's burned to the ground, but it's been, it's been looted. The windows have been smashed. Everything's stolen out of it. I mean, just the, the, the Macy's that people, now I, I would say, I think I've mentioned to you, my listeners, I grew up in New York, not in the city, upstate New York. I love visiting the city. I love visiting family there. I love visiting uh, you know, relatives and friends there. It's a really cool city to visit. It's a bustling, upbeat, happy city. I wanted to have you see what it really looks like. And there's a story uh, that is on our website. You can go to our website, AmericanCommunityTalk.org. There's a woman who tells a story. 
She's, she lives in New York City. She and her husband live in a, in a brownstone. They have one child. And she thought their neighborhood was probably pretty safe because there were no stores. She had, she'd been walking home. She'd seen, getting close to home, she'd seen gangs of five, six, seven, eight people and who were, you know, just randomly walking down the street, using bricks, smashing windows. And she's watching it and thinking, you know, obviously horrified, but, you know, they, they were letting her walk by, okay? She gets to her neighborhood. She's thinking, well, they won't come here because there are no stores, there are no retail stores. This is a neighborhood, but that didn't stop them at all. So they were in her neighborhood, in her lovely little home. So she said, her, in fact, I think they had two kids because the kids were sleeping. She couldn't even sleep. She went downstairs. There's a doorman at her where she lives. She's talking to the doorman who's begging her, do not go outside, do not go out there. Fearful for her life. This is the kind of violence that Mayor de Blasio is still willing to call protesters. These are criminals. These are thugs. These are looters. These are thieves. These are people who belong in jail. These are people who picking up bricks and smashing windows, lighting cars on fire. That is New York City. The place you might have been thinking someday, wouldn't it be fun to take a trip to New York City at Christmas time and see the big famous you know, Christmas tree there and see all the ice skaters at the park and see the store windows and see the famous Macy's and maybe go there for Thanksgiving, see the Macy's parade. The Macy's store is totaled. And so when I'm talking to you, wherever you are in this country, in this world, about what's happening in America, this is not protests about the death of the unfortunate death of George Floyd. This is about people who are either the criminal element always looking for an excuse to loot, rob, and steal. But far worse and more consequential to America is about the idea that deeply nefarious, ugly, evil forces are funding this, encouraging it. They've been putting this kind of thing in place for years. If you were on the show, saw the show on Monday when Star Parker was on the show, I showed a map of America put out by the former New York City Police Commissioner Carrick, in which he had, just the day after the death of George Floyd, he had a map of the US and he had pins, you know, pinpoints and little descriptions of all of the places in which the violence erupted overnight. We're not talking about violence like people angry in the street and chanting and you know, ending police brutality. We're talking about something as Carrick's tweet said, could never have been organic, never have been a natural outpouring. It is funded by evil, nefarious, ugly, anti-American forces who do want to destroy this country, who've been waiting for the next incident to occur, waiting for the next thing to happen that justifies sending out their often paid troops into the streets to protest. That was one scene in New York. I'll play another scene in New York. This is a, a clip from Video Caller, uh, Daily Caller, excuse me, a video from Daily Caller about New York City and how torn up it looks. Again, New York City.
of the kids on Rolls Royce. Yo, look at this shit. Oh my God. Wow. Yo. Holy shit. I'm sorry for the language in that video, but I really want to sink into you. If you are one of the people feeling really bad, everyone feels bad about George Floyd. If you're one of the people in America duped into thinking that because of George Floyd's death, anything that happens is okay, that we have to understand these protesters, or as the idiotic statement put out by Mayor de Blasio, these calling them protesters, because of 400 years of racism, they can do things like that. It's going to take years to fix New York City. Same with Washington, D.C. We had Star Parker in the show on Monday. I can't remember if she said it on air, but I was talking to you before we came on air. I think it was before, but she was saying she was trying to get some of her assistants into her office to help her get set up for the interview. And she said they cannot make it their way through this devastated city. Washington, D.C., the country's capital. And I'm telling you folks, there may need to be many changes that are made in this country. No one's claiming America's perfect. There may need to be many changes made in this country. There will always be. We are always making a more perfect union. We are always improving America. The incident that happened with George Floyd, it does call into question how we can do better training police officers, what kinds of things are justified for them to do. It may mean we have to have better communication between police departments and citizens. But everything you saw in those videos we just watched, those have nothing to do with George Floyd, nothing at all, nothing to do with police brutality. They have to do with criminal elements in this country, funded, encouraged, motivated, just encouraged into outrage and unleashing themselves and then discovering in America, in Democrat-run cities and states, that no one is going to stop them. If we do not get this under control, now I know people are saying, well, things will settle down, you know, things will, but you have to understand, the mission of the Soros people is not to make a really bad couple of weeks for America in the middle of June. That's not the mission. The mission is to undermine the very core and fabric and existence of our country to push what he and the le radical left wants, which is to introduce Marxism and socialism as the basic identity of America, to destroy the America of the founding. If you read what George Soros says and writes about, he deplores Christianity. He hates religion. He hates Western civilization. He hates America. He hates the idea we have a Bill of Rights. All those things are seen as roadblocks to George Soros' mission to completely remake America and the world into his vision. And every step we see along the way, every protest, every set of vi every every violent action, every protest in every city is just another battle Soros is waging and the left is waging against the existence and the goodness and the greatness of America. I call this segment about being on the right side. You have to understand, I don't mean right versus left. I don't mean Republican versus Democrat. I don't mean black versus white. I mean America or not America. That is the battle. 
One more thing is very interesting, or actually two more things in this segment I want to hit. Uh, one is that Governor Cuomo, uh, who was briefly trying out to be the Democrat presidential candidate, now he's saying no, but he really took some time to blast the mayor of New York City in light of the scenes you just saw. And I, I think I mentioned, if I didn't, the mayor of New York City, de Blasio's own daughter, was arrested by the police in connection with her conduct at, some, at one of the rioting, looting, Again, they're not protesters, they are rioters, they're looters, they are criminals, they're thugs. His own daughter was arrested. But Governor Cuomo had a little bit to say about how de Blasio is handling this. This is Governor Cuomo. Uh, and he can do it with the NYPD. First, uh, the NYPD and the mayor did not do their job last night. I believe that. Uh, second, you have 38,000 NYPD people. It is the largest police department in the United States of America. Use 38,000 people and protect property. Use the police, protect property and people. Look at the videos. It was a disgrace. I believe that. Uh, I believe the mayor <clears throat> underestimates the scope of the problem. I think he under underestimates the duration of the problem. Uh, and I don't think they've used enough police to address the situation because it's inarguable, but that it was not addressed last night, right? So facts, okay? This is a glass of water. This is not a glass of milk. It's a fact. There's still facts in life. What happened in New York City was inexcusable. Well, uh, the governor should use the National Guard in New York City. I've offered the National Guard. The mayor has said he can handle it with the NYPD. Uh, my option is to displace the mayor of New York City and bring in the National Guard as the governor in a state of emergency and basically take over, you would have to take over the mayor's job. You'd have to displace the mayor, right? Uh, A, I don't think we're at that point. B, that would be such a chaotic uh, situation in the midst of an already chaotic situation. Uh, I don't think that makes any sense. I understand the president's political point. I saw the theater yesterday. I understand his political point. He is Mr. Law and Order, and he would bring in the military to put down these uh, uh, protests. Okay, folks, I want to just hit, th these are such, such consequential times. I want to hit a bunch of points about it. Number one, that is Governor Cuomo, who, you know, New York City had a huge problem. 
Cuomo is politically savvy enough to recognize this does not play well in America. America, watching the videos you watch, watching whatever other ones you watch online, Governor Cuomo recognizes this is, this is dangerous to the Democrat Party because everyone can see that the Democrat mayors and all sorts of Democrat officials will not maintain law and order, will justify what the looters and robbers and thugs are doing. So Cuomo's worried, and he did, by the way, after, somewhat after that statement you just saw, he a little bit backpedaled and said, well, you know, I, I think the police can probably handle it, but he sees, as many Democrats can see, the political consequence. In fact, there were people, I think it was in Wisconsin, uh, where there's been horrific violence, that there were statements out by the Wisconsin Democrat, I think it was Wisconsin, Michigan, one of the Democrat party leaders saying, you know, if these protests make their way to the suburbs, Democrats are gonna have a problem in the fall. Because right now, it's easy for all the, you know, suburb, so suburbs, they say all the suburban women are, uh, you know, they don't like Trump and they think he's too harsh and they like Democrats because they're nicer or some stupid thing. But the Democrat party can see if these kind of things that we're watching in New York City, in Dallas, Texas, in Washington, D.C., in cities all across the country, if this spreads to the suburbs and the liberal women in the suburbs who used to think they were so virtuous to stand up for the little guy and didn't like, you know, Donald, Donald Trump sounds too tough, they're going to be the ones saying, hey, wait, wait, actually, wasn't Trump right? I think Trump was right. I think Trump's got it. We've got to maintain law and order. We may have to bring in the military. And this is, this is a dangerous time for the Democrats because, the, because they won't stand up against this. And yet they can see that many Americans are deeply alarmed. And so Cuomo's trying to play both sides of it. You know, he's saying, oh, that was terrible. Del Blasio did a terrible job. Um, but he doesn't really want to. But he, then he backed right up. But Cuomo's sad enough to see this could hurt the Democrats. Second point I want to make. There's a brilliant piece by Sam Foudis. His name is F-A-D-D-I-S, and it's on our website. And he was writing about the idea, you know, I was talking about yesterday about putting more, connecting more dots, putting more things in place. The John Guandolo point about communists been in this country, you know, 100 years, Islamists in this country, whatever it is, 40, 50 years, you know, pushing their way into all sorts of institutions, into the culture, into political conversation, trying to normalize communism, Marxism, socialism, trying to make those as really reasonable, normal things that might have a place in America. So you had that happening in academia and, and, and in culture and in, and in uh, the schools from K through 12 along with colleges and in Hollywood, the normalization of un-American ideas that was going on and on and on. And so then you have the police departments, as John Guandola was talking about on the show, watching the violence, as, as Governor Cuomo is saying, standing back, not sure what to do about it. You're watching people commit arson, robbery, uh, you know, destruction of property, and you're afraid to act. That is where the police are in New York City. Pretty much goaded on by and encouraged by the Democrat mayor there, de Blasio, who is justifying the conduct of the protesters. So the police are staying back. 
Plus, the police have been conditioned after decades of media pummeling that they better be very, 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 very careful in ever arresting someone engaged in a protest, especially if the person is black. There has been so much media attention. Now, I, I'm granted to say police aren't perfect. I'm a total supporter of the police, I believe. Blue lives matter. I believe black lives matter. I believe everyone's life matters. People, people matter. Life matters. I agree with all of that. But you have in the protests we're watching a complete unwillingness of the police to act. And it is in significant part out of fear of being accused of being too violent, of engaging brutality. So they're watching the destruction of Macy's in New York City. And I'm not particularly, I'm not a big Macy shopper or something. I'm just saying an iconic place. In Texas, we had a destruction of a, an, a, a famous statue on the grounds of the Texas Capitol all over the country. And the police are standing back. So back now to this point of this Sam Fadis, who had an article out. He was pointing out that one of the significant players in this radical vandalism of America, Antifa, or Antifa, however you want to say it, A-N-T-I-F-A, Antifa, he was saying they've been around now for whatever it is, 15, 20 years. Why wasn't the FBI all over them? Why didn't the FBI recognize them as a terrorist element? They are not standing up against fascism. They are the fascists. They try to label themselves the anti-fascists, so maybe you will be duped, maybe America will be duped, but these are people who are committed to the destruction of America. Committed to the destruction of America. And the FBI seems almost unaware and certainly not treating them as a, an enemy. I mean, it finally took President Trump declaring them, designating them a terror organization, a domestic terror organization, so we could begin using the tools available. That should have been happening about the second day Antifa had their organizational meeting, and we realized they're committed to the destruction of America. We have to get stronger in this country, identifying groups that actually mean to destroy America and calling them out. We have had, because of the gradual pressure, Guandola was talking about the gradual pressure, the, the continuing to turn the public opinion, to mold and shape public opinion. It's like we've lost our barometer. We've lost our, our, our gauge. We have become, we have allowed extremely un-American ideas to begin to seem as though they belong in the American political conversation, they belong in the American playing field. So sure, we have a group called Antifa dedicated to the destruction of America. Yeah, okay, they, they're one of us, they belong. We need to be harsher, stronger, and clearer in as a country recognizing what America is and then what ideas are being embraced and supported by people on the anti-American left that are anti-American ideas, calling them out sooner I mean, we have freedom of speech in this country. We have freedom of assembly. You, you can't declare the Communist Party illegal. You can't declare the Socialist Party illegal. You can't even declare Antifa illegal. But you can begin in the American political conversation for elected officials, for spokesmen at every level to call out these people as flat out dangerous, subversive, un-American groups. That's what they are. 
Call them out as that. Stop acting like they belong somewhere in the milieu of this grand, inclusive, anything goes American political conversation. No, they don't belong in America. The ideas are anti-American. At the very least, they have to be called out. We have to begin to be firmer in our country and deciding who the heck we let into positions of power in this country. We should not have communists and socialists or, or Islamists in the American government at all. But back to where, so back to where we are now, part of the problem the police have is we have normalized, treated as though it actually belongs in the fabric of American culture, radical anti-American groups, as though they really are all part of us and this beautiful diversity of ideas, inclusion garbage, that we can't call them out, we can't recognize them as evil. We have to call them evil, call them out. They have no place in America. Two last things about, so a fabulous article, very, very good. Um, I want to hit, there was an article um, that was about a Seattle, uh, a member of the Seattle City Council, a woman who they've had terrible violence there, destruction of property, theft of property, people's livelihoods, businesses, they built up their whole lives destroyed. But Seattle Council member Tammy Morales said in their meeting on Monday of this week, she simply can't understand why looting bothers people so much. She actually said that. Why looting, which is stealing, bothers people so much. What if she got home from her job at city council, being a radical socialist, and discovered everything she owns in her apartment or home was stolen? Her car, her computer, everything she owned. Would she just say, wow, you know, I sure love looting. Now, she was trying to make the point that people shouldn't be so upset about looting, uh, and because they should be more concerned about, as she says, black people dying every day at the hands of police. And again, police brutality, police conduct toward black Americans, all of that should be regularly looked at, should be examined, should be improved. We can constantly try to improve. But what she's saying, but the, the, the left, first of all, feeds on by exaggerating instances that do occur, failing to put all the facts out on the tables for, so people can understand them, failing to tell, and the media participates in this, failing to put the whole story out so you can see the story in perspective, refusing to see any facts except the ones that feed their narrative, and overstating, overstating the problem of black Americans, as she says, dying at the hands of police officers every day. We have bad incidents, we have to investigate them. It's never okay, racism is, ne racism is never okay, police brutality is never okay. But America is not the evil racist country that probably socialist Seattle uh, City Council member Tammy Morales says. But she's justifying, based on that narrative she's built up, the left has built up, that hey, you know, what are you so upset about looting, so what? Okay, one last point to make on this that I, I really think is important to understand. Ask yourself, what is the end game of the looters and the protesters? What is the end game? It's not like they are saying, we have the following six demands. And let me contrast it with people in Texas who are protesting against contract tra contact tracing with respect to coronavirus. People protesting on that and thousands of other issues have demands. They say, end contact tracing in Texas. You know, uh, cancel the contract with the organization that's supposed to put contact tracing into place. Uh, you know, lift all restrictions on 
social distancing, allow people to meet in public as they choose. They have a specific set of demands which allows you to negotiate, to put those forth, and then they're the things you want, and then the government or other parties involved say, well, yes, you know, I can see this, but no, I'm not too sure that's a, not too sure that's a great idea. You can, you can negotiate, you can discuss, you know what the demand is. Ask yourself what the demands of these looting, thugging protesters, what's their demand? Because if your answer is justice, which they would always say, justice, social justice, what does that mean? Who gets to define justice? Who says what justice is? At the big uh, blow up that happened recently when Joe Biden was on that Charmaine de God's, that, that's his name for himself, Charmaine de God, calling himself God. He's a, a black host who had Biden on his show. And in the course of this interview, Biden, you know, mouthed off in some blather and said, essentially, if you're not supporting me, you ain't black, which was very stupid. And Charmaine, Charmaine de God is black. But Charmaine's comment afterwards, the host comment after that stupid comment by Joe Biden was, I want to see a black agenda out of Joe Biden. I want a black agenda. I want black equality, black housing, black education. He had a whole list of things all saying essentially related to skin color, which is the same thing as saying you're making it impossible to negotiate. What is it you want to say? Do you want to say? changes in the public school system so that we have uh, better quality public schools available for people in low-income neighborhoods, especially minority neighborhoods, who need a better quality education. Yay, I'm for that. I can go with that answer. That's a specific thing. If you want to say, we need better training of police officers, and so we want to have more sensitivity training or a higher percentage ratio of black versus white officers in various cities, or you want to have you know, the uh, hold that that officer in Minnesota used that resulted in the death of George Floyd, which was, by the way, a hold permitted by the training he got in Seattle. We want that hold banned. We want to have regular community meetings. Make a list of demands. But you have to recognize the protesters, and they're not protesters, the looters, the thieves, the arsonists, are not making demands because they don't want, the reason they're not making demands is because they don't want the violence to end. If you make demands, you give something for someone to respond to. Like, oh, okay, we could agree with that. Maybe we have to review the circumstances under which we justify that kind of hold on a person. Maybe we have to eliminate it. Maybe we have to look at the composition of our, our departments. Maybe we have to talk about you know, community relations if you make demands, you actually want a solution. You know what you're asking for. You're saying, we want this and this and this, and then someone can respond. The looters, arsonists, and in some case murderers, are not making demands because they don't want the violence to end. They are, they are protesting, they are looting, they are starting fires, in and of itself, that is the end game. It is the ult to create so much panic and fear in our society that finally people will say, whatever will make it stop. Just we'll do whatever you say, whatever you say just to make it stop. They're not making demands because they don't want resolution. And ask yourself what resolution we're going to get to if we continue to permit the looting, the arson, the theft, the murder, the beating, 
which can lead to death of innocent citizens. Where is that going to get us? You have to understand, the law and order people are not saying, the people are saying we have to have law and order. That's the right side of the equation. It's the only place to be on. We have to have law and order. We cannot live permanently in America in a culture overridden, overrun by violence, theft, looting, and arson, and just say, well, this is the new America. Hey, this is where we are. It's a really important point to understand. The protesters do not want resolution, or else they'd be telling you what they want. It's not an answer to say justice. It's not an answer to say peace. They clearly, unless you say what you mean by that, they won't do it because they don't have an answer. So we're going to get to a point, my friends. I don't want to come to this. We're going to get to a point where you're going to have uh, President Trump's going to have to use military force. I don't want that to happen. I don't think he wants it to happen. I understand the advisors in the White House are telling him, this is really, really radical. You really don't want to go there. You really want to be careful. I understand that. I don't want to have to go there. But the answer has to be, like what Cuomo was saying about what de Blasio needs to do, if you don't have law and order imposed by the mayors, the police departments, and the governors, there's no other choice because the answer cannot be permanent looting, arson, thuggery, murder, and mayhem. That can't be the answer in America. The answer is we have to get back to law and order. And the sooner we do, the sooner we can get along a path of bringing the country together, helping to heal, and, and ending this horrific violence which has hurt black Americans this is how you know that the leftist protests have nothing to do with helping black Americans, hurt black Americans, their communities, their businesses, their homes more than anybody else. Nobody who cared about the plight of low-income America, black America, race relations would, if that was their mission, would go ahead and destroy their neighborhoods, which is exactly what these protesters, these looters, robbers, thugs, murderers have done. They don't get to claim they're standing up to help low-income America or black America. They're standing up to be criminals. One last topic today, and I'm probably out of time. I have very little time, and I'm going to probably have to come back to it next week. But there's the rumblings of the beginning of a protest in Texas. There have been protests over in Texas over how long the shutdown is lasting. I'll get to that in a moment. And over contact, contact tracing. To be clear on the shutdown, our governor, Governor Abbott, is getting a lot of kudos from other places around the country because Texas is opening up faster than, you know, Democrat-held states, states under Democrat control. Texas is opening up faster. It's still really slow. It's still really slow in Texas. I mean, it's a little better. You know, we have stores can have whatever the rule was and all sorts of arcane, idiotic rules you know, 25%, but only this and only that, and distancing and masks. And as the coronavirus, it is beginning to dissipate, and everyone around the world is seeing this. In fact, in Milan, there's a doctor in Milan who is one of the doctors treating all this, who's saying it's pretty much gone. But in an America, even though you see headlines that the left is trying to push, saying, oh, oh, new cases, new cases, the coronavirus crisis wasn't the crisis the left tried to create, wasn't the crisis Neil Ferguson tried to create. And so America's moving past it. We still are at a 
a, a rate of infection that is, that is consistent with a bad flu year and the rate of death similar to that. We do not have overrun hospitals anywhere in the country any longer. We did in, in the really hot spot of New York City and I guess in New Orleans and maybe Chicago. We're past all of those. We're at the point that they're laying off doctors, laying off doctors and nurses in hospital systems around this country. So that's where we are. And people are saying, look, the disease wasn't as bad as you thought. We're, we're, we're getting past it. We're heading into the warm summer. Stop all this shutdown. So the quick thing I'll tell you was uh, the great thing that happened in Texas. Um, first of all, and I'm going to try to get this guy on the show. I, don't, I haven't met him before, but he's a Texas state rep. His name is Tony Tinderholt, and he wrote a letter to Governor Abbott. It's, it's called, It's Time for an About Face. Brilliant facts in the letter basically saying there's absolutely no justification for the continued shutdown of Texas. No justification for all the limits. You know, bowling alleys can open, but only at 25% capacity. This business can open, but only this, only that. This letter this guy wrote is on our website, americacanwetalk.org. This is a letter that should be sent to every Republican and every Democrat governor in this country. And he makes the point in here, you know, this is, we are causing Texas, the leader of liberty in the nation, the state that stands up and always says, we're the ones, we're the leader in liberty. It's causing Texas to be a foothold for socialism for government-controlled society, government-controlled business. It's a really eloquent letter, a really good letter, step-by-step step pointing out to Governor Abbott, you know, number one, you're pushing the gray state of Texas towards socialism, and number two, the contact tracing is completely ridiculous. He also makes a point in here, and I made the point many times, I'll make it again, wrapping up today's show, but there is no science, there is no science behind all of this phased opening up, phased this, this business can open, but only at 10%. This business only 25%. There's no science, there's no data, there are no facts. There's just simply the, the government using control because it has the ability to do that. So this is a, and why I say it's a big pushback in Texas is we have a Republican governor here. We have a Republican majority in the Texas House and the Texas Senate. So usually, as both parties do, they solve their differences behind the scenes. They do not have public battles. Democrats do this just as much as Republicans. You don't want to have a public battle, elected representatives standing up against the governor, but obviously Tony Tinderholt sent this to Governor Abbott because otherwise he could not get the governor to listen. In Texas, we're having great pushback against the just irrationally, not tethered to facts or reason, reintroduction, slow reopening of Texas. And so this is a great thing, public letter. You ought to adapt it to your state, urge your state representatives and state senators to send it to your governor. The people have to push back against this astonishing shutdown of freedom in America. The other thing that happened in Texas uh, on a broader scale, and then we'll have, I'll get to this uh, other story next week, but there was also actually within the Texas legislature, as there are many places, there's a Freedom Caucus that is the most conservative members of the um, legislature. And the Freedom Caucus itself put out a statement calling for our governor to end the contract, sever the contract with the contact tracing group 
in place that is supposed to begin working in Texas. It was passed and in many ways offensive to many people. Again, unjustified by science. And you want to talk about Orwellian living in a surveillance state. When I talk with you next week about what's really involved in contact tracing, you'll realize this is a, a component, an element of surveillance we should never get started in this country. And in Texas, again, elected Republicans openly standing up against the elected Republican governor saying, this must end. You cannot do this. You've got to get rid of this. So I'm very, very proud of Tony Tinderholt, other Republicans, the Texas Freedom Caucus, and others saying, you know, we're just not going to have this in the state. We're not going to do it. I'll tell you, we're going to have a special deep dive next week on contact tracing. But for now, because I'm out of time on this show, I would do as I do at the end of every show, turn to talking with you about why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So today we talked about the GOP convention where, and uh, Texas apparently not in the running, but Democrat Governor North Carolina will not assure the GOP of the right to conduct convention free of social distancing or masks. President Trump is right to cancel and move it out of North Carolina. Pandemic shutdown has gone on long enough. COVID is fading. The politicians love the power. The people of Charlotte deserve the governor's answer to why it was necessary to drive the GOP out. Let's hear the science, Governor, not the fear continuation blather. Convention location kerfuffle pales in comparison to out-of-control rioting, but the same frustration is mounting with imperial governors who will not restore freedom to law-abiding citizens while assuring free reign to destructive, law-breaking rioters. And on America at War, what's the right side? All Americans must see through the fog. This is not about black versus white. This is not a race war, but evil forces are baiting Americans into believing otherwise. This is a long plan for leftist war against America and the Constitution. There is no positive leftist vision for ending this war. The aim is destruction. Leftists want the destruction of freedom and the destruction of equality before the law. Demanding white people to get on their knees, I played that clip yesterday, but demanding white people to get on their knees and apologize is straight out of a totalitarian playbook. Think Nazi Germany and other communist purges. It is communist totalitarianism masquerading under the guise of Black Lives Matter. Millions of decent American men and women of every race and ethnicity know what's right about America and what's wrong about these riots. They must not give in to leftist nihilism and anarchy. And finally, Texas shutdown and contact tracing battle heats up. Texas governor's reopening has been unjustifiably slow, now accompanied by a $300 million voluntary contact tracing program not approved by the Texas legislature. Opposition, opposition from the Texas spirit has erupted in public, demands to cancel contact tracing. There are Texas doctors saying there's no science to claims of tracing's efficacy, even with 100% participation. I'm gonna have a doctor on talking about that next week. True voluntary participation will mean far less than 100%, gutting even the possibility of efficacy, which is why critics believe it will become mandatory. We'll talk about that too next week, this, this mandatory voluntary thing. It can only be mandatory or else it will go, has to go away. Power to order the quarantining of people is effectively putting them under house arrest based on amorphous data about possible infection. This is an egregious violation of the right to liberty. It's an atrocious invasion of privacy. Contact tracing programs 
might fit with an Andromeda strain killer virus. They're wildly inappropriate for the fading coronavirus. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Go to our website, americacanwetalk.org. Check out the links to everything we talked about today. Hit the subscribe button. You can subscribe to my once weekly email. It comes out on Fridays. Links to all the shows. Great way to share the show. Consider supporting the show. This is a listener-supported show. I need your support. You could hit the donate button, make a contribution. A one-time or recurring donation would be greatly appreciated, especially help me to fight back against the censors of big tech who definitely are on to my show. Also want to encourage you, whatever social media way you are listening to this show, please like, subscribe, share, comment. And I want to tell you one last thing before I close out. Starting next week, I am going to try to start. I've, I've gotten, I've seen your emails and your comments. People are saying, why can't we put questions in? Why can't we put a question on YouTube, a question on Facebook, and then, and so we can have more interaction during the show. I'm going to try that next week. I really can't do it sitting here, but I have Matt the Wonderful. I'm going to see if he can during the show. If you keep your questions short, I'm going to try to take questions from Facebook and from YouTube during the show and see if we can have either I answer or if I have a guest, maybe the guest answer. We're going to try to do a little more interactive with the audience. I love talking with you. I love your emails. Anyone can email me at americacanwetalk at gmail.com. I love the American political conversation. I love the idea that every day I get to sit here and talk with you about the unique, extraordinary, exceptional idea that is America. I love speaking up for America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America?